0: This is Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood. What is old? Now that can be a tricky question. When you're 20, 30 is old, 50 ancient. Wayne is in his 60s and in no way considers himself old, but during a recent job hunt, he discovered that some employers do see him that way.
1: There are numerous occasions where I would get a phone call Uh, from someone, and they'd be very excited. You're going to be great for this position, and so the next step was either an in-person or a video interview. I could feel the interest drop away in the first few seconds, as soon as they got a look at the gray hair.
0: Wayne finally got a job, and he's really happy. He told me about the frustration of looking for work as we sat in his living room overlooking a yard filled with bird feeders, a tranquil backdrop, as he also talked about growing up in Maine, getting on with his life after the death of his wife, moving away and coming home, and getting older. Notice I said older, not old. I know you don't consider yourself old, right? No. What do you think old is? Old is 80. I heard recently that old is anybody who's 10 years older than you.
1: That works. (laughs) I'll I'll go there.
0: (laughs) So, how old are you? 64. Did you grow up here in Maine? I sure did. But you've left.
1: I grew up in uh, South Portland and Windham, lived in uh, Raymond for a while, lived here in Durham, Uh, went to the West Coast, Portland, Oregon for eight years and came back.
0: One of the things that I'm interested in knowing about is when you were growing up, were there older people around you? Oh,
1: yeah. My maternal grandmother was around a lot because she lived in Portland, and we lived in South Portland at that time. And we were in touch with the rest of the family. We had people in Booth Bay and uh, people in, well, my granddad was in Boston, so we'd go down to see him. So, yeah, there were, there were certainly old people around.
0: Now, when we're younger, old people are like, way, way over there. But did any of them influence you in any way as you look back?
1: Where I got my political bona fides, uh, my grandfather, my father's father, was a machinist in South Boston, and he was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party.
0: Well, that's an interesting fact.
1: Yeah, and my dad uh, still has not forgiven Nancy Pelosi for not impeaching George W. Bush. The liberalism is... uh, heavily influencing in my family.
0: Well, you and I are friends on Facebook, and you do not hold back on your political
1: I do not. <laughs> that's that's why I don't have public posts.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't know that. I thought the whole world saw your oh, posts, no. just your friends.
1: No, no, I, I can't risk that.
0: <laughs> do you think that it's important to be politically active to at least express your opinions and your voice?
1: I think it's important to have opinions and... If you have opinions, of course you express them. Yeah, I think people who aren't aware of what's going on in the world and who don't think about it and don't have opinions about it, that, that's that's a problem.
0: All right, well, we digressed. <laughs> you have been married. You have been in long-term relationships. You have children. You have grandchildren. How important is all of that to you?
1: Well, I came back home. <laughs> it's important. Um, don't have a picture of Oliver handy, but... That's why I came back.
0: So as we get older and we get grandchildren, I think something takes hold of us.
1: Oh, I used to make fun of people who, you know, in a nice way, who would move across the country to be near the grandkids. I don't make fun of them anymore, I get it.
0: Now that I'm a grandmother, I see that unconditional joy and love that they give you. You can do mm-hmm. no wrong, at least when they're little. Right. And that feels so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question about right now. What makes it a good day for you?
1: Having interesting things to do, productive things to do, whether that be work or home. You know, I've I've got a lot on the docket for today that'll make it a good day.
0: And you've gone through a rough patch in terms of getting work lately. What happened? You worked here in Maine, and then you moved out to the West Coast. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were the vice president of marketing and community. What were you out there in Oregon?
1: I was, what you said, a VP of communications and marketing. Seven and a half years. Um, And then there was a problem, and I got to take the fall for the problem. So I looked for work out there, couldn't find anything. And then Oliver came along, and I said, why don't I go back to Maine? And I was looking for a job in Maine, which, you know, there aren't a lot of them. Uh, certainly not that pay very well, and then I found a job that uh was a bad mistake that it just it didn't work out and so I was kind of on my own. I started teaching online mostly, uh which is very rewarding and then along came this opportunity that uh, I get to be useful again. You know I put thirty five years of experience to work uh that was the worst part of of being unemployed was Here I am, I've got all this experience, I've done all these things, and I'm not doing them. I'm not sharing them, I'm not putting them to use for anyone. That was very hard.
0: What was it like for you when you applied for jobs? Did you get called in for interviews? If you did, were you treated a certain way that made it obvious that you were older than what they were looking for?
1: Well, I boil it down this way. Nobody wants to hire a 62-, 3-, 4-year-old into an executive position because they're not going to be around that long, and they think... And nobody wants to hire an executive into a lower-level position because they figure they're going to be gone, you know? Uh, So I think that's a very dangerous age to be unemployed, uh, 60-plus. I found a lot of jobs I never even heard back from, and then when I would follow up later, I'd I'd see a picture of a 20-something on the website. There were numerous occasions where I would get a phone call uh, from someone and they'd be very excited. Da da da. You're going to be great for this position, and so the next step was either an in-person or a video interview. I could feel the interest drop away in the first few seconds, as soon as they got a look at the gray hair. And I have a friend, a very good friend, who's um, in the similar situation, and he's experienced the same thing.
0: So, what's the message that you would like to get across about this issue?
1: Don't throw older people away, we got a lot to offer.
0: So tell me about the new job. Is it in your field?
1: Well, it, it's, it's interesting, I, I'm not going to be doing public relations, but I'm going to be helping other people learn how to do it and supervising their work. My job in Oregon was pure, pure leadership, pure management. I didn't touch anything at a practical level, but I was, I was managing people. This is a little different in that I'm actually building the company creating all the systems and the processes and the uh, ways of tracking the requirements of the Department of Labor. I've built departments, I've never built a whole company.
0: The company you're building is an apprentice program?
1: Yep, there is uh, an apprenticeship uh, program in the state of Maine to certify through the Department of Labor. And I didn't know this, but there are sets of criteria for almost every occupation there is. Uh, somebody has compiled all these, you need to know these things, you need to have done these things, you need to know this technology, and so we're, we'll be charting our apprentices in all those areas and also teaching them some additional things.
0: Name of the company, and right now you're building it, so it's it hasn't actually started yet? Yeah, the way I
1: describe it is we're driving the car down the road while we build it. We're building it while we drive it down the road. Uh, it's called Word Lab, and it's a... It's, it's interesting, it's the first for-profit company I've ever worked for in my entire career. If you don't count the car wash when I was in high school. Um, but it, it's also a B Corp, which is uh, an LLC that has a commitment to the community built into its mission statement. And obviously that's workforce development and keeping young people in Maine and bringing people to Maine and, and that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not like it's a pure for-profit company, but it is a for-profit company.
0: Well congratulations. Thank you.: In terms of staying active, it doesn't seem like you have any issues trying to be active. Not yet.: No health conditions that prevent you from doing certain things.
1: I mean, I still shovel snow. I'm not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> but well, I do. Why still... aren't
0: you supposed to be shoveling snow?
1: Because I have a heart condition.
0: <laughs> so you do have a condition. I do. Well, do you mind talking about it?
1: Uh, no, I, I have some fairly significant blockage.
0: Can you be active?
1: Yeah, I work out four days a week.
0: You go to a gym, or do you have a gym downstairs? Well, I have,
1: I do both, depending where I am.
0: So we keep hearing how critical f- physical activity is.
1: Well, let's put it this way. If I had uh, not been very active and very good shape and having been doing it for a long time, I probably would not have had a stent. I probably would have had a heart attack and it was in a very bad spot. So. What had happened was that I developed collateral circulation around the blockage, and that's from exercise. You you grow new blood vessels because your heart needs more blood, so it's, it's growing around the blockages.
0: You know, some people can be really active, and some people, they just have such a hard time being motivated, no matter what they hear about how critical it is for us to be active.
1: Yeah, well, wake up with a stent. That's
0: pretty motivating. Do you mind if I ask you a question about Ruth? Mm-hmm. So you were in a relationship with Ruth, whom I knew, a very vivacious, wonderful woman who unfortunately had diabetes and eventually passed away. And you both were relatively young at that point. Mm -hmm. In your fifties, maybe?
1: Yeah, I was was in my early fifties.
0: That's a hard blow to move on from, I would think. And yet you have a wonderful life now, and a wonderful relationship. How did you manage to get from there to here? What sustained you?
1: It's a good question for older people too, because they're going to lose their their partners. Um, I don't know, it wasn't easy, but it also wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I think part of it might have been knowing that that we weren't going to grow old together I knew that early on so it's like being prepared in a way well you can't ever be fully prepared but yeah and I I had some good fortune you know I I was in a in a good place you know I was making I was having making a living I wasn't like unemployed or retired so I had that in my life to keep me focused um and I was lucky to meet someone wonderful, or you no, know, re-meet, I guess is more more accurate. The last three years of Ruth's life were
0: horrible. What do you mean?
1: She was sick much of the time, um, increasingly agitated, because I, I, I think she knew that what was happening. Basically, she started dying three years before she died, I think.
0: Is there anything that I have not asked you that you wish I had, or you think that's important to talk about?
1: As I'm thinking about why you're doing this, I think what I hope people will be able to do is keep that inner life.
0: You think the inner life is what's really critical? Oh, yeah. Is that like being spiritual? How would you describe inner life? Oh, that's
1: a piece of it, and a piece of it is lifelong learning. A piece of it is um, contemplation. I'm not as good at as a, about it as I should be, but I try to practice every day. You know, um, I have a, a meditation exercise that I do, and I don't do it every day like I should. But I, I think that's important. Um, I think keeping connection with people is important, uh, even if it's just a few people. I think, you know, I go to stop at the Freeport Cafe for breakfast sometimes, and there's always at least one table of what I call old people, and you know that they meet for breakfast every Wednesday morning or whatever it might be, and I think that's critical.
0: Stay connected. Yeah. So I was going to ask you about any advice that you would want to impart. That's some advice. But what about for younger people? Because we were younger people once. And even though we knew that we'd probably make it this far, when you get here, it's It's a shock.
1: It is that, yeah. I think it would be sort of like what I said a little while ago. Do it. Do it now. Whatever it is.
0: Just do it. Don't put it off. Right. Well, on that note, we shall say goodbye. But before I say goodbye for real, I would like you to tell us the secret to keeping the squirrels off your bird feeders. Baffles and you put your baffles in a specific place.
1: They have to be at least four feet off the ground because a squirrel can jump four feet and you also have to have your feeders not at least four feet from any or maybe more than four feet from any trees or building pieces or whatever. I, I The one out on the other side of the house I, I put a ladder up against the house one day, you know, laid it down I was going to move it later and a squirrel in less than a few hours figured out that he could get up on the ladder and jump over the baffle to the feeder. So it's, it's, they're, they're very clever.
0: All right. Well, thanks for that advice. You've been listening to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health podcast. I'm Diane Atwood. To hear more conversations about aging and to read all of the blog posts on health and wellness, including fitness tips and recipes, visit catchinghealth.com. This podcast was made possible by our sponsors, Avita of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. You'll find out more about them at NorthBridgeCOS.com. That's NorthBridgeCOS.com. A shout out to Smith Atwood Video Services for editing this podcast. See what else they have to offer at SmithAtwood.com. And I'd also like to thank Tom User for his support. He's director of the Center for Excellence in Aging and Health at the University of New England. Tom will be using some of the interviews for research on aging issues in Maine.